Good morning. Everybody blessed, say amen. So good to see you. Thank you for uh, your third and read the paper and stay in the bed. It's one of those crazy weekends. Dawn and I went to Nashville in Marion. I'm going, what? <laughs> so it was all that blue, all that, pray for Dawn. I don't know if she's picked up a stomach bug, so she's at home today, and that's uh, getting some rest. Our wow worship tonight, it's a wonderful time together. We're going to have a uh, congregation, persecuted church, our new building that's in process, plans being drawn up, wisdom and some categories up on the screens, a microphone down here. I've got uh, one person prompted, ready to come and stretch your wings a little bit and, and pray in public if you've never done that before. That's going to be about a 20-minute segment. Families can come and be taking it at there whenever you feel led to do so uh, during our worship time. So let me just tell you, come on, hang out with us. An hour or so, a little bit maybe beyond uh, for our worship at 7.40 and ready to watch whatever you watch at 8 o'clock on Sunday night. So, uh, good wife or whatever it is. Um, anyway, not that I ever watch that show. Boy, the presence of God. I'm, I'm asking the Lord just for an outpouring of, of a fresh, another touch. We just need God to move in us and, and grant some faith and some strength, get in His presence. Uh, we always do this every fifth Sunday. So, tonight is the fifth Sunday. Number four, in the Red Letter Questions series, these are questions that have a direct application uh, into our lives. Jesus is the symbol. We, we want to be careful of not reading ourselves into the details, but we can draw the abundant life and the things that can, I believe, inhibit us from enjoying our faith. Um, remain standing with me. I'm going to grab this text myself. It's a little bit Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side. Home. He went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Strong wind. Everybody say a strong wind. A strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. At 8 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. They cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. Look at I am here. I love that. I am. Okay, so the I am is walking on the water. On the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went out over the side of the boat, long wind and the waves. Everybody said the wind and the waves. There it is again. When he saw the wind and the waves, he was terrified. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. Read the red, everybody. You have so little faith. Jesus is looking at Peter. Where's your faith, man? Why did you doubt me? You were doing fine. Wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God. God, we come before you this morning only because of righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. God, thank you that you hear the cry of my heart and every person in this room. Lord, anything we've ever done, but it's only because of what Jesus Christ did for us. What Jesus, we thank you. Just ask you, Lord, to open our eyes and give us perception and understanding. Distracted. I just acknowledge before you right now that I need you. I desperately need you. I need you physically move and be the voice within my voice that you would take this message, the historical size it and individualize it, and Holy Spirit, you would speak and penetrate the hearts of each from now. Listen to it on the internet. God, I thank you that your word is timeless. It is beyond spirit. God, you're able and you're good and you're wonderful and you're wise. And we thank you today. We worship. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and all of God's people said. Maybe seated this morning in the presence. How many of you ever been scared? <coughs> Terrified. Um, I want to talk to you about two things, brief faith. First of all, let's talk about the nature of fear. 
I was 14 years old, and we were wearing bell-bottom pants and listening to um, Aerosmith and ELO. I was always the keyboard bands, and yes, and, and um, African brothers, but among a lot of white guys are getting the hair blowout kits, and they're getting afros. Bell-bottom jeans and all this different kind of stuff, so we're, I'm, I'm 14, and, and they came in late. It was on a Friday night. I've never told this story in all the years of ministry. Yes. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking out the front bedroom window of, sort of curbs and gutters. It wasn't as nice as other neighborhoods, but it's where I grew up, and I'm thankful my mom. Ditches, ditches where the rainwater ran through. And it's summertime, and um, I'm looking out there um, into my yard. I'm looking in the ditch, and there's just this great big thing away. I think that there's somebody out there laying in my ditch, and it's a dude with an afro. And so I'm standing there, and I've just come home from, and I can't recall the, the movie, whatever it was, Nightmare, to the reality that I had no business uh, seeking entertainment in the horror. I was a teenager, and I figured out that uh, I, I learned from the Bible that the, the Bible says, <laughs> so, some of you, if you, can, if you get into it and you love the stimulation, and the, <gasps> but it just it, it messes with my mind. And that's what I want to talk to you about, because that's what fear does to us, to put it in... Um, it was a dark and stormy night. And so it was one of those kind of nights and then it was scraping the house. And I had just come home from all of the horror in the horror movie that I, the scary movie that I went to and I'm, they're going to break in my house. I'm 14 and that's becoming every moonlight under the flickering street light at the corner of center and white right underneath that head, and it looks like an afro, and it looks like a white shirt. Now, I later found a white Walmart bag <laughs> that made it look like somebody in a white shirt. There was somebody out there laying in my ditch, Freddy Krueger with his knives or whoever it was. I don't remember. And in the middle of all of this, it starts to affect my perception and what I see the decision that is what I'm thinking that it really is, even though it was a clump of clover and a Walmart bag. Come do something to my family. And so I called my dad, and he came and looked at me. He said, it ain't nothing. So I just, I, I laid down, and I looked up, and I'm wide awake. How many of you know when you get scared? Every little house, and the tree that's too close to the house, scratching the side of the house, and all this stuff keeps working on me. And I get up in the living room, and I look out the living room window, and I'm really sure now that I've got the right angle, and it's somebody laying in the ditch. Just put in... And the way they were in the living room were a little different than making this double pane of glass that makes it really cool when you want to clean your windows because you can just turn those to the, the glass and it's creating a fog and I'm watching and the wind is blowing and they're still see-through. And so I'm just peeping out a little crack like this and I'm leaning against that window and I had backed up and leaned it. <laughs> Dad's got the 38 coming in there with a pistol ready to shoot, laughing his head off at me and shaming me. Michael, if you don't get back in that bed, I'm going to get my belt. <laughs> True story that happened in my own life. And I had talked myself into a whole set of circumstances that didn't even exist. And the reality of it was, was that it had produced an adrenaline in me that had affected me physiologically. My fear, adrenaline had kicked in and my heart was racing and I had short breaths and I'm ready to do what commonly is known as either the fight or flight. Well, there wasn't any fight in me that night. I was ready to fly. 
I was ready to move. And this is what fear does to you, not only in the natural, but especially in the spiritual in terms of looking at things and being distracted by things and making things become reality because of the way we have skewed our perception. The way we see things or the way we hear things, it becomes a whole alternate kind of reality. And this is what the Bible refers to in 1 John chapter 4, my first message or the first text this morning that I want to grab to you when we're talking about fear begins in verse 17 of 1 John 4 and it says, Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, Jesus, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Everybody say, no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. Everybody say torment. You start believing something long enough that you can... I want to give you an acrostic. And you know what? 20 years, 30 years into it now, everybody's heard this. Gifted teacher of the Bible in Memphis. And he had a college professor, English messages. And she would write an acrostic in order to be able to teach the series... That for fear, read that with me, false evidence appearing real. Now, I remember an African-American prosperity preacher out of Detroit, Michigan, using this across all kinds of acrostics that were really good that could take the, the Bible meaning of a word in letters. Fear, false evidence appearing real. I remember the one for praise was putting redemptions... A- uh, I remember another one that she wrote, strife, strife. Strife in your relationships infecting fellowship's effectiveness. Now, that's a mouthful, I know, but that really does define strife. And so she had hundreds of acrostics that she would write that would go along with the pastor was preaching, and this is the one that went famous. It went viral. It literally went all over the world, and out of the late 19 writing those with him, this is the one that she put up for fear, false evidence appearing real. And so I am already have a sense of heightened alertness and awareness and and so I look out there on a dark and stormy night Edgar Allan Poe kind of a setting looking kind of clump of clover and the Walmart bag looked like a dude in a white shirt and I was had convinced and I leaned against the window and it came open I thought yes as soon as I backed away he's run up here and he's coming through this window and he's going to because I saw false evidence that appeared real to me Look at your circumstances around you and you begin to perceive them in a way that is beyond what true reality on the word or the meaning of circumstances. It's, we come, it comes from the word circle. The circle is from the word stand. So the circumstances in your life are the things that are circling you, the from your job, the disappointment from your spouse, the challenge with your children, things are talking to you. Now, I, I don't want to be too plain, but let me just... Don't, Turn on any lights. I try to make sure everything ends up where it's supposed to be. But I don't want any lights coming on before I go back to sleep. How many of you, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Several of you raising your hand. You know that pillow and I can get back to a place of rest. But if the voices of my servants, it's in those moments alone that false evidence can start to appear real in my life. The next person in this room, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that I'm just overly endued with a level of faith. Look, I've got to make sure that I'm in touch with the Lord and spending time in worship and praying and seeking His face, down imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity. Sometimes I do a really good job at that. Sometimes I don't. How many of you know I'm just trying to be real? The point is, is that your circumstances... 
and what you choose and how you choose, the way you focus your perception about things begins to fashion your beginning to appear real to you in those moments. All right? Now look with me. How many times does your note say in the Bible tells us to fear not? How many? 360 something that if you look at it the wrong way, you're going to get scared. You're going to be afraid. You could give you the kingdom of God. Fear has torment. Love, chapter 8, verse 15. We've not been given the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we've been God. Whatever the circumstances that I face, 365 times the but up, it probably needed to say, fear not, because that's enough to make anybody scared. Shows up. And I, let me just tell you, I, 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 unfortunately, we have this renaissance cherubic little fat babies with little tiny wings that really wouldn't carry those little fat babies because the wings are... But we've got this idea in our head that this Renaissance kind of painter gave us that the oversized guardian figures that come and show up and up and when they speak the word that God has put into their mouths, the ground opens up. Babies, we're talking about outrageously powerful ministers of fire is what the, Isaiah 41.10. Fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed. That's a dismayed means you are so afraid you've become immobilized. When you're dismayed, you know, the fight or flight, you're not ready to do anything, but you're just standing there terrified. The prophet says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen. Translation says, I'll hold you up with my victorious right hand. I love that. Listen to the message. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady. I'll keep a firm grip on you. Come on, somebody in the room needs to... Isaiah 43, God writes to Jacob and he's speaking not just to the individual man because he's already dead. So he's writing to the covenantal people of which Jacob is the head. He's the father. He wrestles with Jacob. Is he a, a schemer, a con man, a trickster? But now he's a prince, a prevailer. The spirit of God in your individual life from being the old creature of, of the trickster, the subbed having the authority and the acceptance of God operating in your life. And so Jacob and they became the fathers of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so when Isaiah is prophesying, the whole people, the whole covenant nation, he's saying to them, he's saying, but now God's message is this, be afraid, I've redeemed you, I've called your name, you're mine. You will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. They will not overtake you, you won't drown. The message says when you're in between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a savior. Come on, somebody. We have such a tendency to stop. It, 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 it terrifies me when I think about Christians in other nations. One of the areas executed church because we are enjoying the privilege of being able to meet this morning and we don't have it and saying, renounce Jesus or we're going to kill you. Declare Another other nations who have enjoyed a season of peace are now terrified and are literally becoming ISIS. If there ever was a moment when fear could grip, whether we feel like we have a president in an office who even has a foreign policy that works, and that is not a, a momentary face crying out to God for him or her in the future, whoever it is. Problems that are not false, but you can start to look at all the stuff and all of the evidence that's mounting a panic and you become dismayed, you become immobilized, you become functionless. Change your direction to help you see that in the, in the middle of this, Jesus comes walking on the power of faith. 2 Timothy chapter 1 says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, 
power is your ability to continue to function, carry it out. And, it, and love is the understanding of boldness, loving, and sensible. Another translation says timid or shy. But it empowers us. It in translation says self-discipline. It's in those moments where I have to cross my mind. And the blessing of this is is that you and I both still have the ability and you can replace them with the right ones. Come on, somebody. What we choose to look at, what was very meaningful to me because in 2008, after I finished a graduate degree, I went to Israel for a church planting network that we were a part of at the time. And there was a, a very, very talented, gifted. He was born by blood, a Jewish and Israelite, but he trusted theologically. We would call him a completed Jew. Jesus is his, the savior of his life. And so he's to Jerusalem. We go up the coast. We go down to uh, um, Jopping where Peter was on the roof in Acts 10 and the angels of God let down the tent. Or, and they're looking at the rooftop that Peter was on when Acts chapter 10 was written. And we, we get high all the way back around the, the uh, Jordan River Valley and we go to the Sea of Galilee. We visit Capernaum, Nazareth. Genesaret region, and he and Ari said, "That's the, the the dirt road right there that Jesus came walking the region of Galilee." And so he we got back in the bus, and he took us up to it would be a small mountain. It would be like a great great big hill, and from that hill, praying at night because he had just conducted this great rally and teaching, and he'd sent. Now let me tell you a little bit about the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee sounds really big, okay. This whole region, many times when you'll read in the scriptures and it says portion of the lake because of the land that's connected to that side of it, okay? So Jesus reads stories of him coming home. It's interesting that the Savior would grow up in a city whose name means the city of comfort. Interesting about this um, archaeological, that's not the right word, geological is the word I'm intending. Jordan River emptying into the Sea of Galilee, which goes on down, ends, empties into the dead, sassed in the mall with pretty Middle Eastern ladies selling you bath salts from the signs of little trashy souvenirs. But there is some really cool stuff that you can get that comes from the Dead Sea because it's... And there's so much salt content in the Dead Sea that even a big boy like me can just water without any necessary movement at all because of the... Out there and they're smearing on this black mud because they, they're getting, giving themselves the skin treatment of Israel would be similar to what we might refer to out of Oklahoma up into Jonesboro, that whole section. I remember in the 1970s, 1980s, it seemed like every time you turn around, he scooped out kind of little valley area, and you've got all the delta from the Mississippi River. The climate in Israel is very, very similar to right here in the south. So the summertime, it's hot and sweltering across the Sea of Galilee in some part of it. I got on a boat and rode across the Red Sea. I'm sorry, now Jesus had, except this one had a motor on it. And so we're just sort of putting across the lake and this particular thing that happened in the disciples' lives. They've seen Jesus preach and move and, and decide, I'll see you later. He goes on the mountain to pray. He looks down and he sees them toiling, especially at night with the lights now. I'm sure that there were fires that were going that you could see the other side of the lake. They were far away from the land in trouble and they were literally taking on water because the waves, middle of the storm where the disciples are. Now how many of you know Jesus storm knowing it's going to happen without a purpose? How many of you know Jesus sometimes will come inside of you? 
And the way He comes to you in your circumstances is terrifying. The way God will reveal Himself to you when you've gotten bad news, experience the highs, the mountaintops of celebration of couples that are going, and the phone call of, a, of, of loved ones in this congregation with someone who just recently just in battling that. And so sometimes just, just the pull and the strain, I can't be the encourager for this people. You're going to have to give me some strength, God, because God, I just ask you to be strong in the middle of my weakness. And it blows my mind how he showed So in the middle of this situation, they're toiling, they're struggling, they're in trouble. The, the water's coming on the boat. Jesus coming. They're terrified. I mean, who, who has the ability to come walking on water? Jesus immediately speaks, and this is the ability that only he has. The still, small voice of it looks like the boat that you're on is going to be capsized and the winds and the waves are tearing and howling. It may come through the words of a worship song that you're crying out privately in prayer. It may be a phone call from the voice of the Savior will come to you in ways and it will always say, don't be afraid. Take courage. Peter, the winds and the waves are still howling and it's tumultuous. Jesus is out there and Peter in a moment says, Jesus, if it's really you, call me to come to you. Now can you imagine? Peter throws his leg, gathers up the... He's trying to step out in faith and others are trying to pull him back in. How many of you ever really heard you go, well, now you probably need to just cool your jets a little bit. Let's just really kind of, let's do a feasibility stance of this. Or how many of you know when Jesus is calling you to walk on the water and do the impossible, you need to go on and follow? Jesus says, come on. Yes, come, come. I'm here. Peter gets out of the boat. <clears throat> we don't feet and he's walking to Jesus. And you know what happens. He starts to look, pay attention to his circumstances around him. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. Like I said, whether it was 6 feet or 60 feet, we don't know. But there was a period where he was walking off of Jesus and he starts looking at the wind and the waves and everything around him. And it's real to him. He loses his faith. I'm going to say this. I believe the switch of faith out and he starts to sink in the middle of all this and he screams, Save me, Lord, I'm drowning. This comes and asks him the question, You of little faith, why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt me? Because this is the nature of fear. This is what fear does to us. Reality. Peter saw the wind and the waves. And so let me ask you a question. If Peter were standing here today, I would God-man standing right in front of you. However far out he was, he could see him morning. I don't know what you're facing, but what is reality in your life? Is it your lost job or the suffering to life and godliness? Even though you don't see it right now, it's still the invisible. But that's not you. What is reality? Is it your broken relationships or your failing marriage? Or is it together? Is that reality in your life? Maybe it's the recent doctor's report. Experienced hearing, looking at a young doctor saying, Mike, it's cancer. And the fear that shock, I had to say, I'm going to trust God. And if I live, I live to the glory of the Lord. And if I die, I... And when you can abandon your life to that kind of trust, it sets you free. There's a free... This message to a close. It's about your circumstances and it's your focus on them. Any easier to walk on the water? Like that. Why do we think, hey, on a good day, I got this. Okay, fine. Let's just all meet out at Horseshoe and it's a nice, calm day. Why don't you walk on the water? What this dude just walked on water for a little while. 
What, what, what is that little f- to humanity at that time, the smallest identifier uh, of, of a minuscule, you can say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and it has to flee. I don't believe that Peter didn't have enough. I believe he just had it for a little time and he turned it off. He had it turned on and he's walking on the water to Jesus. But all of a sudden he gets distracted because of the wet wind that's going across his face. And he stops looking at Jesus momentarily and he's in the first place. And that's his faith in an unchanging Savior. Come on, somebody. To walk on water than one that's toe up from the flow up. He got distracted with something that didn't really make a difference in the first place. And in God, make you stop and pay attention to things where false evidence begins to appear real. Couple of questions. Do circumstances really have any bearing? Do circumstances have any bearing in limiting God's ability to do the impossible in your life? What's the circumstances have any bearing in limiting your ability to trust God to do the impossible you look at and where you keep your focus? is going to limit your fear and flip the switch of faith on. Look at your neighbor and say, keep the switch of faith turned on. Faith, why did you doubt me? I don't believe it's quantity. I believe it's duration. You had it going for a little while, Peter, and then you stopped. The enemy will attempt to come and steal and rob, steal, kill, and destroy your trust in God. Verse 5. It's that if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask from, from God. I'm going to read it from the Amplified. Listen. Ask of the giving God who gives to everyone liberally and unfault-finding and it will be given him. Only it must be entering, no hesitating, no doubting, for the one who wavers, hesitates, doubts, is like the billowing by the wind. For truly, let not such a person imagine that he will receive any. A man of two minds. I love that. Amplified says a man of two minds. So you make it even clearer. A man of two minds. Hesitating, dubious, irresistible. Oh, but my problem is so huge. Come on, we've worn this out, but it's still good. Instead of Gullum, I have a big God. I have a big Jesus. It's a whole different kind of focus. He is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything that he thinks, feels, and decides beyond the circumstances to the Lord over them. On the sea, came walking to the disciples, calmed the storm, and got that wherever you are in your walk with God, that you are encouraged right now. You've been encouraged to keep your focus on Jesus and not on the problem, on the, on the strife, on the fear, the false evidence appearing. You're encouraged. This message, this kind of preaching, will in- is your life and your heart right with Jesus right now? reveal himself to you. He wants to come walking on the choppy water of your problem and Jesus is the central figure of the Bible but he's not the only figure. This is not written. We can't read ourselves into the minutia of the details of this but we can learn the principle from it in circumstances that really don't have any bearing on your ability to change my life. It really didn't make a difference as to whether or not Peter could walk, have a good day walking on water. It all depends So I'm saying to you this morning, if the switch of faith is, my life is a mess, the boat's torn up, I'm in the dock, the tornado up in the middle of the junk of my life, save me. You don't earn something that none of us can deliver except the God-man himself, Jesus Christ. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes 
we are healed. His own way. But the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all years ago. And the Holy Spirit is walking the aisles of this church this morning, tapping some for the boat of safety of your own ability to fix it, hold things down and control it. You're running your way into my presence. You're trying to keep the life straight. It's all just torn up. We'll fill your name in the blank. We're not talking to Peter this morning. Whatever you're facing, Jesus can fill Jesus. Father, we come before you this morning and I thank you today. Thank you.